It is Friday the 11th of January 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 22 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Thanks very much for listening in. It is episode 22 and the first episode of 2019 which is exciting. It was a wild ride on the stock market in 2018 particularly in the last quarter. The headlines in the financial news are predominantly focused on stock prices, Dow points, percentage drops and things like that. I think it is a good reminder that as investors you need to focus on the company behind the stock. Focus on valuing the company, figuring out what they do, what industry they're in, figuring out what is worth and then compare that to the stock price that has been currently quoted in the market. When you come at things from that sort of angle, the normal fluctuations in the stock market are easier to deal with and this is because you understand the company. And This is a normal fluctuation in the stock market. It's nothing different to what's happened in the past and what will happen again in the future. So, moving on, in the first episode of 2019, we're going to discuss Kathmandu's Christmas period, which is always such an important time for any retailer. We'll also discuss Pushpay, who put out an announcement during the week that they now cash flow break even. I'll have a chat about all of the takeovers on the NZX in 2018 and talk about the IPO situation on the NZX. I'll also have a moan about the content and many annual reports and finally we'll finish with some advice for 2019. Let's get straight into it. As you can imagine during the week the stock news from the NZX companies was a bit light due to the time of the year but we did have one update from Kathmandu. Kathmandu is a, I guess you could say it's a, a camping and outdoors retailer and they, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code KMD and the ASX under the ticker code KMD as well. Um, so they had a, a, a market update on the Christmas shopping period which is obviously a a key period for any retailer so they said that sales during December have been below management's expectations and this is particularly so in same store sales which decreased by 1% overall which is 0.2% in Australia and 2.4% in New Zealand which is quite a, a, a big drop. This was partially offset by higher gross margins so not not a great update from Kathmandu there and the stock has been hit relatively hard in the last few weeks or so. So Christmas the Christmas period is a really big deal for for most retailers as uh, for a lot of them that's where they make all their profits because as as you know as as a, as a, as a shopper what you know there are you know the the Christmas holiday period is a, a really big deal. So I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but they are predicting quite strong growth from their Opox shoe acquisition. So they said in in 2019 they're expecting sales to grow by 35 percent to 27.5 million, and they're expecting group profits, so company profits, to be about four to eight percent above 2018. And that sort of makes sense to me. I mean, Kathmandu, it's not like it's a company that's rolling out 20 new stores a year, so it's 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 going to be difficult to achieve, you know, significant growth. And if you think, you know, inflation might be 2 to 3% or, or, or whatever it might be, that means that, that they're growing ahead of inflation, which is, is, is a positive thing. So they have a market cap of about $525 million, and just looking at the 2017 free cash flow of $50 million, so it's quite easy to figure out the multiples from there. So they paid out dividends of about, this is where it gets a little bit interesting for me in terms of Kathmandu. So they paid out dividends of about $25 million in 2017 according to their financial statements and with the rest of the free cash flow they essentially paid down debt. And I noticed they've only got about $10 million of debt left on their balance sheet right now, although I haven't checked the interim one, so I'd have to go and do that. So 
that suggests to me if as long as their profitability remains constant and they're expecting it to grow that there is some room to increase the dividend or maybe not increase the dividend they've got some spare cash to potentially maybe do something else as well in terms of acquisitions or spend some money on their stores or whatever it might be it it looks like they're going to have some free cash in 2019 it'll be interesting to see where they choose to allocate it and that's always the big decision facing these companies is is how do they allocate the cash and where do they spend it if there's nothing better for them to do with it then the best thing they can do with it is is better in our pockets than theirs so they might as well pay out their shareholders in the form of a higher dividend but we'll wait and see Another company that updated the market during the week was Pushpay. Pushpay is a company that we've discussed a lot on the podcast. We actually interviewed, for those that don't know, the CEO, Chris Heaslip, a few episodes back. If you haven't heard the episode, I recommend going ahead and having a listen. So they trade on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker code PPH. So they put out the headline during the week, Pushpay achieves cash flow break-even target now processing over US $5 billion. So I guess the, the cash flow break-even announcement wasn't too surprising. It's a a target that the company has flagged for a long time. And so far in in the history of the company, they've been quite, I guess, good at achieving their targets. So they always said by December, by the end of 2018, we hope to be break-even on a monthly cash flow basis. So just reading a, a, a bit more about the result and if you look at the stock price the stock at one point on the day was up over 10 percent and so it was clearly an update that the market liked even though it was not too surprising it was was one that they liked and when you dive into the results into into the into the media update in more detail I, I think I understand why and, and the reason I think that is is what surprised me was they said that their annualized processing volume increased from 3.2 billion to over 5 billion by the 31st of December 2018. And 5 billion, you know, that, that's quickly grown from, I think, 2 billion last year. And they've always said that they have a target of, of having the processing volume of, of 10 billion. So they're, they're getting there quite quickly. And they put some dates in the update as well. So they said on the 30, in September 2018, they had 3.2 billion. By the 10th of December, 2018 they had 4 billion and by the 31st of December they had 5 billion so some quite strong sequential growth there so I guess you you think next I mean where does this put the company they're now on a cash flow break-even basis what does this mean now I mean we know from our interview with Chris a little while back that they, they probably see some more growth with this cash flow now whether it's in the acquisition space or organically it'd be quite interesting to see what's ahead next year for Pushpay. Um, they reaffirmed their guidance, which is revenue between 97.5 and, and 100 million point five US dollars by the 31st of March 2019. So they appear to be on track with that. Interesting that, that that's another one from Pushpay that they've had flagged for a long time in the future as well. It'd be interesting to see what where they think they can go to next from here. They haven't really guided the market as far as I'm aware in terms of where they're going to go going forward. I think they expected to be able to generate revenues of $1 billion when they when they have annualised processing volume of 10, of, of 10 billion US dollars. So they're, they're quite 
away away from that at the moment with with near enough a hundred million. So to get up to a billion, that that's growing their revenues ten times. So it'll be interesting to see if they've got some sort of roadmap towards that. And then you think, well, what what profits can they make from it, and and what how can we figure out some sort of valuation here? So I thought a company that that would be quite similar. You know, obviously a, a a low bigger is PayPal, which trades on the on the US markets under the ticker code PYPL. Um, so if you have a look at their their net profit margins are about thirteen percent from memory, and if you take a, we'll call it ten percent just for argument's sake. If you take a US one billion in revenue, that means you've got one hundred million in profits. And obviously, we're a, we're a long way away from one billion revenue from Pushpay, but I guess it, it helps us sort of think that way. And in terms of maybe justifying a market cap for the company, and clearly, if they're going to get there, I mean, they're only making one hundred million in profits. So one, uh, sorry, one hundred million in revenue. So one hundred million in in profits is obviously <laughs> it's a it's a long way away. But clearly, the market's thinking along those sorts of lines to give it a market cap of eight hundred million or, or or whatever it's given. And if they are able to achieve one hundred million in profit, then you'd have to imagine that the eight hundred million dollar market cap will actually turn out to be quite cheap. But that's why you've got the the sort of risk built in that they won't make it to a hundred million dollars in profit because they are quite far away from that. So be really interesting to see where where they go to from next from for Pushpay. Um, quite strong processing growth. It'll be interesting to see what they think they can achieve in in two thousand and nineteen, and it'll be I'm, I'm really interested. Most importantly, I'm really interested interested to see what they do now that they break even on a cash flow basis. I'm guessing that they'll have more guidance or more of an update in March, but we'll see how it plays out when they update the market. One thing we'd definitely like to see, and I think most listeners or most people listening to the podcast would agree, would be some more IPOs and some more companies on the NZX. There's been, I guess, a a trend towards takeovers on on the NZX this year, and you know it, it's it's been well publicised, and we talked about it numerous occasions on the podcast as well. You know, Trade Me, for example, SLI Systems, Restaurant Brands, Teagle Chicken, even Methvin, one I didn't talk about last year that I missed out on. I actually actually completely didn't pick up on it at all was was taken out in in December. So. There's been that that trend towards takeovers, and I guess if nothing else, that just shows that there's some good companies in New Zealand because a lot of these are overseas companies that are coming in. In fact, Trade Me overseas, SLI Systems overseas, Methin overseas, Restaurant Brands I think is an overseas one, Teagle. These are all overseas companies that are coming in and buying New Zealand companies, which shows you know that there is some good companies in New Zealand. And you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's it's a sign. It's that's what happens in markets. I mean, organic growth is is quite difficult to come by for a lot of companies. So one way of growing is is through that, is is through mergers and acquisitions. So nothing wrong with that, and that's that's been happening since the dawn of time in in the capital markets, and it's going to keep on happening in the future. I guess the the thing we'd all like to see more of, and this is what I'm hoping for for 2019, is some is a few more IPOs. I mean, and I, I don't know where they're going to come from. And obviously, there's there's smarter people than me that work at the NZX that are no doubt got their thinking caps on in this situation as well. About you know, geez, where are these IPOs going to come from? So it'll be interesting to see 
how that how that plays out for the year because it is a it is a trend that we're seeing in other in other markets as well. I mean, if you look at the number of stocks that are listed in the U.S. markets, you notice it less because they've got about five thousand, but. You know that's considerably dropped since even the early two thousands. The number of stocks that are there, and the same thing's happening in the NZX, and it's happening in other markets as well. Australia, ironically, is has stayed pretty, pretty con- constant from what I've seen in terms of the number of listed companies. But I think that's more due to the fact that they've the the the, the financial markets in Australia are seen as a good way for mining companies to to raise capital and. And, and move forward with the expeditions and whatnot. And, you know, obviously we're not going to suddenly invent a massive big mining sector in New Zealand, so it's a question of how, how does the NZX find more companies to list, and it gets a bad rap for its lack of listings, but, you know, it's not like you can suddenly invent companies out of thin air that are suddenly suitable for the stock market. And, you know, there's, there's lots more alternative these days for fast-growing companies in terms of getting capital off, you know, getting capital from other other places like angel investing or, or wherever it might be. And, you know, I, I guess if you had a choice, if you were a, a fast-growing company between, between remaining private or going public, I mean, you'd, you'd choose the private route, wouldn't you? And there's way less scrutiny, there's way less regulation, there's way less cost. What What... Why would you go public unless you really needed to? And there's certainly less need for a lot of companies to go public these days. But you know, for the everyday investor perspective, then it's it, we all want to see it. So it's it's a bit of a catch twenty two. So I'm not sure whether something needs to be done from a regulation perspective or what the NZX can do from a marketing perspective. But you know, we'd certainly like to see some more companies and. You know, you sort of scratch your head and wonder who's next in terms of takeovers, and obviously, not every company is going to get taken over. But there's certainly a diminishing pool of companies on on the NZX, and we'd really like to see some new IPOs in 2019. So I put that right at the top of the wish list. Just thinking of some other things I'd like to see in 2019, and I don't think this one is necessarily going to be happening, but I am hopeful, and I'd like to see annual reports be made a little bit more relevant and what what really I guess I find real punishing with a lot of annual reports is is they're filled with on on the front couple of pages a bunch of I guess letters to shareholders that's been written by consultants that doesn't really provide this couple of pages long doesn't really provide you too much of an insight into what's going on with the business so that'll be the first thing but then you get to the next part of the report and there's usually about 30 pages on director remuneration which half of it is is written in a way that's not easily understandable and then you have the financial statements and then the notes which are quite useful and I'll, I'll give you an example I was actually reading through Flight Center's annual report for those that don't know Flight Center they trade on the ASX under the ticker code FLT um, and nothing against Flight Center not picking on Flight Centre in particular here. Flight Centre is a, is a good company. Um, I know a lot of you might be sitting here thinking, oh, hold on, what about booking online or anything like that? And, you know, yeah, that may be true. Flight Centre's business model has had to have changed since the 1990s where if you wanted to buy a, a plane ticket, the only place you could do it was through a travel agent. But, you know, if, if, if you're thinking that internet is, is taking over travel, maybe you're partially right, but I think, 
a lot of people still like to do things with the human element and, and FlightSend is a company that's done very well and been a big part in consolidating an industry. But anyway, in, in, in Flight Center's annual report, pages 12 to 36 were, were dedicated to director remuneration, which, you know, it's, it's a lot to take in for investors and a lot of it seems to be justifying the tremendous fees that they receive and short-term, long-term incentives and a whole bunch of other jargon as well. And it it, it makes your eyes glaze over and, and then you sort of think, well, what else of substance is there in this annual report? So, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see, I mean, <laughs> how hard is it to describe what directors get paid and, and why they get paid it? I mean, you should be able to describe it in an A4 piece of paper, really, in, in my view, but, you know, then how would consultants make money and how would they justify it? So I'd really like to see a simplification of that area of annual reports in 2019, but I'm certainly not holding my breath. Right, now we're at the part of the show and, you know, I I like to think of the podcast as a bit of a show, even if the listeners don't think so. We have the part of the show where we'll talk about some advice for 2019 and I hope this hasn't been the part of the show that you're, looking forward to because you'll probably be a little bit disappointed with what I'm going to say and I'm, I'm not going to do the the standard stock picking thing that you see in the paper where we hear, might hear in other podcasts where people pick their five top stocks for 2019 just as a, a bit of uh, full disclosure I never read those articles never, ne- never ever do I don't even look at the, I see the headlines and and move on and I guess that would be my ad- advice for for 2019 would be to ignore a, a lot of the stuff that you see in the in the news and and, and ignore a lot of the macro stuff. I mean, obviously the I, I, to the the politics is is going to remain centre stage, and it's always going to be the case with Donald Trump waving his arms around. Whatever you think of him, you'll definitely be waving his arms around. And you know, the interest rates are going to be the other thing that that will be a big focus in 2019 for a lot of articles and my advice would be just to ignore all that stuff don't even read it I mean the Donald Trump stuff and the interest rates it's quite interesting from a theoretical perspective and just to keep abreast of what's happening in the world but you know you shouldn't be basing your investing decisions on 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 what's happening and and those sorts of things I mean how much does it really impact contact energy for example how much does that really impact spark in terms of the business and if you get into the stage where you think Donald Trump is 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 going to be affecting sparks business then maybe you've you know that's a pretty slim margin and you've probably paid a bit too much for the stock so I would say you ignore all that stuff keep up with it from an interest perspective but in terms of 2019 just like every other year and every year going forward you need to be focusing on what companies are doing understanding companies and then figuring out what a fair price is to pay for them based on how much cash they're going to produce because that's how you'd think about it if you were buying a business privately and it's no different when the companies are much larger and listed on a stock exchange and I think I've said before on the on the podcast, and I'll, I'll say it again, I'll probably butcher the quote, but from the great investor Peter Lynch, when he's, he, he was asked how much time per year should you spend worrying about the political and, and macroeconomic picture, and he said if you spend 15 minutes on... 15 minutes thinking about it you've wasted 12 minutes and that was from one of the 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 most well-known investors of all time and Warren Buffett says the same thing he says that he can't think of 
one time in his investing career where he, him and Charlie have made an investing decision based on a, a political consideration or other interest rate situation or a macro situation. So if it's good enough for them, it should be good enough for us as well and that would be my advice for 2019. Many thanks again for listening to the podcast. As a reminder that nothing I say today should be considered financial advice. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stopmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Make sure also to share with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stopmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 22 of the Stop Market Movers podcast for Friday the 11th of January 2019. I'll see you again next week.